Welcome, everyone, and thank you for listening to No Clip. Um, I'm Chad Rutherman. I'm John Artimes. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And uh, basically, we wanted to do this little kind of short bit on explaining what we plan to do and like what we set out to like accomplish with this podcast, uh, just as like some cursory introductory information. Because I'm understand new here, you're quite you maybe feel a bit uneasy. What what's this podcast gonna do for you? We're gonna tell you. And tell you. That's exactly what we're gonna do. Uh, what we plan to do is to take the topic of a single video game uh, once per episode and talk about it at length, uh, in depth as far as you know we can muster, and just kind of explore thoroughly everything that a game does. Uh, we're not like a review podcast. Nope. We don't intend to tell you whether or not a game is worth buying, but it is notable that we will only be talking about games that are be- capable of being talked about at length. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I guess keep that in mind, I, I suppose. Uh, additionally, uh, spoilers are just going to flow out of us uh, <laughs> pretty much at all times. Uh, so if it's a game that you haven't played and you intend to play and you're sensitive to that kind of a thing, uh, maybe play the game before listening to the episode or, I guess, skip it altogether if you want. I mean, we're not averse uh, to the concept of you guys listening to the uh, to an episode to try and figure out whether or not you really want to play through a game. But keep in mind that because we're going to be discussing the whole thing beginning to end, no matter what game it is, we're going to be ruining some surprises if there are surprises to be ruined. So I guess, like Chad said earlier, uh, it's not about like reviewing the game, it's about talking about our experiences with the game and um, how, we, how it's affected us, how we interacted with it in comparison to each other, and like, exploring uh, individual experiences with games with each other. And... Uh... It is going to be in sort of a book club style format, where at the end of each episode we're going to be announcing uh, what the next episode is going to be about, so it does give you an opportunity to play the game if you feel like it, or at the very least, if you want to listen to the podcast, look up what information you need to know uh, before listening to it, because we're not going to go into like basic mechanical levels. Yeah, we we understand that a podcast that you've listened to, communicated word is not the most effective way for you to find out this kind of information. You can do that on your own time in six seconds with your phone. We're hoping to give you something you can't get in the comfort of your own home, like silly conversation. And uh, just one more time uh, before we get into episode one, uh, which is going to be on Splatoon... Uh, the voices you're going to be hearing are myself, uh, Chad, myself, uh, John, or as they'll probably call me, JJ, my eternal high school nickname, and me, uh, Andrew, or as they'll be calling me, Andy, and that's... And whoever is on the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) Thank you for listening to No Clip. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about Splatoon. This is a game that was uh, developed and published by Nintendo in 2015. It was released on the Wii U. Uh, This is a shooter. 
That's weird, right? Yeah, online shooter. Just a little bit weird. Yeah, Nintendo makes an online shooter, and it, it was well-received. That's like a whole sentence that I never thought I was going to hear. Yeah, stepping well, out of their comfort zone. Well-received, not, not overwhelmingly. A lot of reviews were more critical than you'd expect. Or I never actually looked them up. Got about, like, 8 out of 10 on average. And on the video game that's scale, what I would expect. <laughs> yeah, that's above average. Seven is bad, apparently. So no, no, seven point five is average on the video game scale. Well, it's above mm. average. There you go. Yeah, it is. <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> no, what's weird about the fact that Splatoon was at least like critically thought about at all is that at this point, uh, Splatoon is basically the Wii U's killer app. Like, yeah. a lot of people purchased the console, JJ included, yes. <laughs> specifically to play Splatoon. So it's brought in a kind of non-traditional Nintendo audience. Not only did I purchase the console to play Splatoon, I purchased the console to play the Splatoon test fires. Like, yeah. the beta of the game, which were two, like, three-hour chunks of yep. the game. JJ came over to my house just so we could play it together. He had bought his Wii U. That was the only thing he had was the demo. <laughs> just to play the demo. So, so that's how excited JJ was for the game. It was attractive. It was very, very yeah. attractive for It me. is. I think what helps is that it is incredibly unique. I mean... I mean no one can deny that. Okay, <laughs> all right, I will deny My question, though, is more, what is it about the game that is attractive to you? Because... I remember seeing, like, literally until I picked up a controller and started playing the game, I could not muster even a little bit of interest in it at all. Well, for me, for someone who doesn't like shooters, like, at all, like, it's the unique approach to the genre, I guess, or if you want to call it a genre, to be, to a shooter. Because I one of the only shooters I ever liked was Time Splitters. And that game's a lot of fun, and you can play it as a squid or a gingerbread <laughs> Oh, dang. Man. You're yeah. right. I forgot about um, that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's, it doesn't take the shooter genre as seriously as a lot of them do, which I, I find that attractive. That's a, that's a good way to put it, that it doesn't take it seriously. But, I mean, that's not... Okay. Because, like, you're not just, like, killing people. Right. Yeah, you're splatting them. Yeah, you're splatting You're blowing their <laughs> clothes off by yeah. spraying them with paint. <laughs> Um, they get the clothes back. They do get somehow. the clothes back. Yeah, it happens. It's like it's less about shooting things. It's more about like having fun and like the game. Like you sound like a junior high basketball. Yeah, coach. it's not about shooting things. It's about the love of the fun. game. Yeah, it's really. about the love of the game. You just want to get your head in the game, right? But yeah, you know, it's more about the. I don't know. There's something about it. I don't know, I've kind of lost. Uh, as as someone who is a shooter fan, uh, wh- like I was going to originally rebut you by saying that there are lots of shooters that don't take themselves seriously. A favorite example of mine is No One Lives Forever. Um, I've never even heard of that. As, so. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll talk about it. It's quite good. Um, but there are lots of shooters that don't take themselves seriously, but a lot of that is because there are a lot of shooters yeah it's probably at this point like of the past five years it probably makes up a disproportionate number of new releases yeah, uh, and sh- shooters are makes me really sad right so. <laughs> I, I like... we'll get to it we'll get yeah. to how much you d- d- dislike shooters as a general concept right. it will come out <sighs> yeah 
I mean, there are lots of shooters, and (laughs) this one, I mean, it's different, but there are enough different shooters that I didn't like. I certainly didn't purchase a console for it. Every time I've played it, it's been somewhere not here. Yeah. Or not at... Your home. It's not mine. (laughs) I don't don't own own a Wii U. Clearly that on the record, I'm not a baby. Do not own a Wii U. Okay. Do you want to play Kirby's Rainbow Curse? Kirby's uh, Rainbow Curse is the one that you... That's <laughs> the game I want to play. I want to play real bad. I'm a big Kirby guy. Alright, evidently it's not the killer app we thought it was. It's no <laughs> Kirby's Rainbow Curse. A sequel to a DS game. <laughs> the DS game was really good. I never played it. Uh, well, anyway. Okay. Defend your love. Defend my love. Well, it's not subtle. I mean, I've, I put like a, a disproportionate amount of time attempting to think why specifically I like the game so much. Specifically after I've, like, actually attempted to be good at it. Because it's been a long time since I've attempted to be, like, competitive at a particular game. Specifically probably, like, Super Monday Night Combat, what, like, two to three years ago by now? Is that... Uh, It's been longer than that. Oh, God. I have no concept of time. This is perfect for me. Yeah, Yeah, SMNC was, like, five years ago, I think. Oh, my God. Really? I played it for the first time <laughs> while in the a while probably about five years ago. <laughs> I I'm gonna die. You just reminded me that I'm yeah, a mortal. You creature. are going to die one, one of these days. That's true. Okay. It, no, it, yeah, whatever. You were gonna correct one of these days. <laughs> yeah. No. Gonna, no, no, I was gonna <laughs> correct the year it came out, but uh, I'm not gonna worry about it for now. Alright. It's been a while. Uh and point being like, as soon as the E3 press conference for this game got announced, I was drawn in, in, like, childlike wonder to all of the colorful amusement. Uh, and I've kind of stayed there, and I don't necessarily mean that in, like, a serious, complimentary way. Like, the more that I've thought about it, the more that the way that I play the game now reminds me of the way that I play the game when I really got into SMNC, which is, just like, another competitive environment... So I honestly, and it's not particularly flattering, think a lot of the difference for me might just be the, like the package, the aesthetics, the way that the game presented itself to me. Like if Gears of War's mechanics were like turned cartoony and bright, you would probably be more intrigued by it. That's what I'm honestly worried about, yes. That's just 100% true for me, and I'm willing to admit that. <laughs> Right? <laughs> I'm glad we've gotten at least that far. But, because um, initially when I kept trying to play the game, I kept trying to justify my love of it like on purely mechanical terms. The, the way that they have the, you know, squid kid dichotomy uh, when you're spraying the ink around. And it's, and that is fun. You know, the fact that you can have the roller as a thing. Where you sort of splat it down and then the paint trail comes around and it kind of gurgles and bubbles as you go. Maybe not like actively gurgles and like witch pot gurgles, like little gurgles, expressive gurgles. Subtle gurgles. Yeah. Wonderful gurgles. But it, it's not enough because once I've gotten good enough at it, like the reasons that I play it now, it's not just because of those differences, because, of, because the things that matter when you're attempting to be good at Splatoon, I assume are the same things that matters in all shooters. The how quickly uh, and accurately you can aim at individual targets, sort of like 
coverage with weaponry and area control, communication, and like delegating tasks with the rest of the people on your squad. That all exists in Splatoon and is frankly still... Just because you coincidentally also paint things when you do that, it doesn't make that more important than what you're doing otherwise. I would... Okay. <laughs> this actually goes into a little bit deeper, if we're willing to take the dive. Into a few of like the main mechanical differences between Splatoon and most shooters that are kind of what set it apart. And... One of those is your ability to quickly aim and hit particular targets is something that is now completely alien to this old fart. (laughs) (laughs) Aided by, and I say aided very deliberately because I have now used the motion controls and acknowledge that they are just better. Uh, and you, as the old fart who probably likes shooters most out of all of us, probably has yeah. conceded this. Oh yeah, There's, I mean, I don't let this be a lesson to you, <laughs> other people out there, other farts <laughs> of any age, <laughs> farts <laughs> of any demeanor. God, uh, no, I mean, okay, I concede that it is best the best control scheme for the game. I do not concede that I am ever going to be able to do it. <laughs> and, well, I mean, it was uh, designed for the right, gyro yeah. control, so. Mm. But, yeah, it, but I also don't think that it's the right thing for, like, any shooter. I feel like Splatoon works... Well, is anyone making that argument? Well, I don't know. I, I think I might. I ain't going to need convinced. Oh, yeah, we actually did have this no, discussion. Yeah, was not I, you guys should convince me that the, the emotion control sort of adjustment in Splatoon... Would not should not just generalize to all things in which you have a reticule pointed at the screen. Well, well, I mean, I don't really play other games where you have a reticule pointed at the screen. So. All right, Chad. <laughs> hey, fight or die. <laughs> all right, Brito. <laughs> now, um, <laughs> the the thing that kills me about the argument is that I can't envision playing a first person shooter with motion controls, and not necessarily with motion controls because. Who knows, really? Like, when they get more precise, it might be something that could feasibly work. But specifically with the gyroscope controls, which, as a brief explanation, Splatoon is a third-person shooter, which means that it takes place... Your camera is behind you, and you use the controller... You kind of... You tilt it up and back to move your camera up and down. And it's fairly intuitive. That part is not particularly hard. And then... Apparently, I'm the only person who had an issue with this, but if you rotate the controller left and right like a steering wheel, like a weirdly horizontal <laughs> steering wheel. Like an old-timey steering wheel. Yeah, old, yeah like you an know, old-timey old, steering wheel. Mechanical horse style. <laughs> right. Uh, that will rotate your camera left and right. Now You can you, also use the stick. Yeah, the stick right. will, yeah, will move it left and right, and you can enable it as vertical, like your Y-axis controls as well. But I played like that for a while, and it's, it's I don't know, you are at a pretty significant disadvantage. Um, but, I mean, that's how I've been playing shooters for my entire life. I didn't realize I was at a disadvantage from somebody who somehow managed to rig up gyroscope controls <laughs> in Halo. But, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so the motion controls feel good on a third-person shooter to an extent, but I feel like once you... Put, instead of it being like 
the ambient camera around an avatar where everything centers into controlling your actual view and line of motion it breaks so if you took it from third person to first person i feel like it would be too spastic and too hard to keep at like a like especially like pinpoint okay spastic was the word that i was waiting for there because i was assuming that I was going to say spastic. <laughs> yes. I just love the word spastic. I've been waiting for it all day. I <laughs> Mustache run. But is it, are you worried about, like, not literal motion sickness, but just feeling uneasy by all the constant movement? It's not necessarily that so much as it is, I feel like I don't have the level of control that I do with either a joystick or my preferred mouse and keyboard setup. Because, like, when you use a mouse, it's pretty simple to rotate 180 degrees by just shifting your hand slightly to the right a few inches. mouse has to be, like, the just hands-down best way. Yeah, I'm not willing to argue that. I I do think that the gyroscope controls in Splatoon are still worse than, like, a mouse keyboard setup Mm -hmm. for aiming at a thing on a screen. Well, you also have to think about... um, even in third-person shooters, which I've conceded this works in, if you uh, the, I'm going to continually go back to the Gears of War example because I don't play a lot of third-person shooters, and the ones that I do play tend to have really contrived control schemes, like Resident Evil Four, which is like <laughs> over-the-shoulder camera, and you intentionally walk really slow, and it's designed that way. Yeah, it's, it's designed camera. to try and keep right. you limited in some respects. Right. You're ready to pop things, but in, uh. In, like, a Gears of War game, if you attempted to use gyroscope controls, I feel like the game isn't hectic enough to warrant that level of control. Like, when you are just, like, hunkering behind cover and, like, occasionally popping up and taking shots, the gyroscope controls would be a horrible mess. And also, I think it all comes back to, like, the game wasn't designed for it. Right. Because well, I'm arguing I mean, against the idea of gyroscope controls being applied well, to every. If you shooter. started out making a new Gears of War game, you're like, we're going to use gyroscope right. controls. Well, like, they, they would change stuff. They would change. It wouldn't be a Gears of War game. They would have to remove. I don't think that. It, I honestly don't think that a gyroscope controls can work with a cover mechanic. Oof. I think it's too, like because like it's too haphazard. Of a control scheme, it's not precise enough. That's probably true. Yeah. What are you What are you worried about? Because remember, in the in Gears of War, the cover mechanic was essentially you just running up to chest high walls and pressing a button that would glue you to them and let you move to side to side. Right. What it about... also completely changed your camera controls, though. It did. Yeah. When you uh, hit I played a... Gears, I just forgot. When you hit a wall in Gears, uh, it brings the camera in at more like a because when you're walking normally, it's kind of like a panned back waist up camera and you see a lot more of like the skybox and like kind of things in the distance when you hit a wall the camera pulls in so that it's still kind of waist up but like you're crouched down so that you have kind of a tight view of what's around the cover yeah and then as you move the the camera shifts panoramically so that you see more of what's to the left side of the cover if you're moving left toward the edge Mm -hmm. and vice versa so if you had joystick, like I can't imagine like gyroscope controls, like you like slowly creep to the side, and your camera's just like wobbling. Well, <laughs> you wacky. would think that the camera controls would also change in that situation. They could like lock. Yeah, they could lock. That's what I was actually going to ask you. I, 
do you? Ha- I assume you have some camera control, but right. do you even have like full camera control? It like how do I describe this? Have you ever like zoomed in all the way into a picture on like an iPhone? And like yes. if you move it past the edges, it like kind of like Bounces it. Yeah, yeah, it goes like up and then comes back. It kind of does that sort of a thing where you can uh, shift it and okay. it like shifts over. But once your control returns to the middle of the you. stick, it slides back over. I I can get why it would at least look silly at, at times because you might just have it all bouncing around and right. doing silliness when you're locked up in there. It's just the smoothness compared to stick controls is so wonderful. You wouldn't have to have any of the like auto aim adjustments. You have to always have to put in console shooters to compensate for like the lack of pinpoint accuracy in the sticks because right. that really does exist when you as silly as it sounds since you're just like manipulating this weird rectangle on your hands. <laughs> It's remarkable the amount of pinpoint precision. Yeah. As interacting with anyone who uses a charger, the Splatoon equivalent of a sniper rifle will teach you quickly. Oh my god. And I can attest to uh, you've seen me play Mass Effect. I'm horrible at aiming with <laughs> a stick. And I can play Splatoon fairly well. So Yeah, we got like womp, 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 burned into our memory yeah. as we're going through the tutorial. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. Give me a minute. Um, Deep Mass Effect cuts. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, obviously, as Andy keeps bringing up, like, the game was designed for this kind of thing in mind, but I feel like a lot of the, well, a lot of what makes Splatoon special, really, is what it takes out of, like, the shooter sort of, like, formula, mm-hmm. and that's a good thing, but if you were making a game that wanted those things in it, I don't think the gyroscope controls work as well. And your, your go-to thing for something that would want would be a, a more slow, methodical, deliberate shooter, possibly cover-based. Something yeah. that we're not constantly, like, yeah. kind of like hectically bouncing around. Yeah, it's weird because uh, they don't make a lot of like really hectic, jumpy, like go everywhere and shoot everything shooters anymore. And Splatoon is kind of a return to form of the days of like Quake. And, yeah, yeah, which Honestly, is it, which is insane. Why? Yeah. I would have to say that, I mean, again, a little bit outside of my comfort zone here, I kind of just assumed Halo was better in those jumpy respects than a lot. Well, Halo is better at jumping. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Master Chief can jump like 15 feet in the air, <laughs> and it's amazing. It makes actually a really entertaining gameplay mechanic. Uh, but, like, Halo is a game that I would never want to play with, with gyroscope controls, because Halo combat is so finely tuned and so, like, well done that like Halo is one of the few console shooters that I play each installment. Uh, there aren't many and like Gears was the first game that I ever bought on high review scores alone and was like horribly disappointed in. You were oh, yeah. Huh. I bought I bought Gears it's like been years ago now so I forget mm-hmm. even my first impression of that one. Weird fun fact about the two of them. Uh the initial design decisions about Gears uh came about after sort of the entirety of, of uh, the epic optics went out for a paintball game because they realized you spent most of your time in cover, cover. Uh, and your view is restricted while you're in cover. So it was, in fact, colorful paint that gave rise to the Gears of War fine <laughs> system. They <laughs> <laughs> should make a paintball gun weapon. I should have. Splatoon. Isn't that kind of what the... We're getting too far in. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll bounce back to that. I thought there was a similar... Like the aerospray. It's not really... It doesn't ball shoot balls, but it, it looks no. like it has a hopper. 
No, that's like it's. It looks exactly like what. you Oh, it's like a spray paint. paint. You just yeah. got it. To oh. paint oh. What, spray. What they use to paint uh, cars with. I gotcha. It looks exactly. Yeah, like detailer. Yes. I don't know if that's the word. Or Whatever yeah. it's called. Car fans, please write in. <laughs> <laughs> that we suck we at paint. Also, gears fans, please write in and tell somebody who hasn't played gears in five years that they don't know. How the camera controls work. <laughs> they implemented the the motion controls on the Xbox One. Did that series just end? Yeah, the yeah. Uh, they made like three games. Three. They made three games and they made another one where like one of the sub characters started as the main. Yeah, and it didn't yeah, just seemed well. like that, I didn't even know about that. That series was like really popular and then fell yeah. off the face of the earth. The blonde uh, guy got his own game and then the series kind of the blonde, not Dom. Uh, no, not Dom, the no, blonde so. guy. Oh. Dom like, also like might be cool. dead. I don't remember. I don't know. Yeah. Everyone's, everyone's dead. Yeah. Well, yeah, the everyone's dead, is dead now. They might as well Spoilers. be dead. Right. Well, yeah. We said that we spoil the games <laughs> that we play. We yeah. don't spoil Gears of War. <laughs> we don't? I thought we just spoiled all games. We, we just spoil no. Gears of War. Gears of War is sacred. <laughs> 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 we can't spoil Gears. Um, we got to stop talking about Gears of War. We do. Like, we have to talk about attempted... Splatoon. Because Splatoon is so Gears. different from Gears. Yeah. That's why we're talking about it. Because, yeah, like if, if Gears 4 came out, we probably wouldn't de- like dedicate an hour to it. <laughs> Splatoon is actually special in that way. Because it's aesthetically different than all things, except arguably the bloopers from Mario Brothers. That's the closest connection I can think of. Uh, and you're just so uh, fast. Paint, paintball mode. Or what about... Uh, in, uh, is Golden there a mode in like... Um... What's that game called? Uh, Jet Grind Radio or whatever, where you like spray paint? Yeah, Jet Grind Radio is a game where you rollerbladed and spray painted as your two main mechanics. It's a fun game. It's kind of like that. Actually, I started on uh, Jet Set Radio Future, the PS2 version of that. It's a good game. That actually does share some aesthetic quality with Splatoon, but not all of them. The music choice, though. Even when you turn into a squid. The squid, and then you rollerblade, but you have like eight rollerblades. Eight squids have ten. Ten rollerblades? I think that's right. I don't know how many rollerblades. I don't know. <laughs> I assume don't squids have no rollerblades. I thought squids had six tentacles. Mm. Well, that's actually... No, no, no you're wrong. More yeah. than that? The, the amount of... You're thinking of insects. I thought they had less than an octopus. No, it's a... Uh, more. Specifically, I know this because the... They made it so that the amount of like little squid tentacles on the hair of all the squids plus the limbs equals the amount of so tentacles six? on a squid. So it's three, three plus two and two. What are you talking about? Three. They have. They don't. They both have three on their heads. No, they both have two. She has pigtails too. She has. She has tiny ones in the back. Though. Does she? Yeah. I don't know. I don't play character people. design. The, <laughs> the boy has the ponytail. I know. It's all just wrapped together. All kind of masked up in there. Okay, so it's two. No, but no, I'm saying they're all mashed together so you can't see them. There's a picture of it up there. Oh yeah, we have statuettes in yeah. this room of the characters. Now, she does have little things on the back. Yep, so there's, there's six of them in the... Uh... Does that really count? So it's yeah, ten, like, so actually. that's like... They've the said that explicitly in interviews. Right yep, here. yep, yep. Nerd facts. That's weird. Nerd facts. And they did spend quite a lot of time on all of those models, specifically because there are really only three of them. The squid, the boy, and the girl. That they made, and they were very specific about it. Well, join us next time on our uh, marine biology <laughs> slash amiibo cast, <laughs> where we'll be talking about whales and why whales don't have amiibos. Yet. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, we'll hear about it's about when Nintendo were released. We'll finally <laughs> make the whale amiibo. Uh, so you can play as a the whale, whale in the Mario Maker. Lord. <laughs> amiibo. Actually, only used with Pokin. To attempt oh, to dude, scrape this yeah. back into relevance, I actually read an interview, uh, again, because I've kind of obsessed over almost everything related to this game, uh, where they talked about how one of the complaints and one of the reasons they made like clothing such a central such a central feature to the game which is also something we haven't talked about recently uh, at, all. at all yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> how much clothing matters in this game it's like all your equipment and but it's mostly just there to look cool is it because nintendo is planning a line of fashion merchandise i desperately hope so because there is yeah, some delicious i swim. would pay like two hundred dollars but did you just interrupt jj before he may have said the word swag <laughs> i did not say the word i think you say there was some delicious swag i i, I believe well, there is some delicious swag. there's definitely <laughs> delicious swag. all right i guess i retroactively by group vote said swag so well, yeah good. i was like there's a specific pair of shoes in this game called the blueberry casuals that i would pay at least $200 to own. I love them so much. Andy loves these shoes so much, I attempted to find them as a present and couldn't. And my shame haunts me to so this So somebody hour. make those. Yeah. There's yeah. a cobbler, like, on Etsy or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that you cobble together blueberry casuals. Uh, I don't know. I don't I'm know. sure somebody could. I mean, cobblers have to do something, if not make shoes. Then. Do they? Any cobblers That's out there? That's specifically what they do. I mean, but... <laughs> Do people who make shoes paint shoes? Are people who make shoes still called shoes? cobblers? Yes. I don't know. Why is this game? Why is this game taking us on so many weird <laughs> tangents? <laughs> what is this game? Uh, <laughs> oh God! What is? Oh. What is game? Yeah, what is game? What is game? What is game? game? Um, uh, That's on the for our philosophy yeah. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Weird tangent number seven. The No Club Podcast Network. Was, the, the fashion is important, and I was talking about that interview. Oh, right. Yeah, that's what. Uh, fashion. Uh, yes, the interview. Uh, the the specific reason block. why you can't, other than just, I think, eye color, really adjust any of the, of the personal aesthetics of your inkling, the name of the little creatures you play as the transformative kid squids. Hilarious, right? Right. Anyway. Uh, lots of puns. Uh, they wanted to quote establish the character like they attempted to just make the race first and then assuming if the game goes well might in the future in sequel releases or updates for this game itself then give you the ability to sort of map yourself on it they're worried that if you made some kind of custom thing it would become like enough of an amorphous mass that you couldn't there would be like nothing as an inkling as an idea Sort of like there's no like real Skyrim protagonist or something like that. They have to always advertise it wearing like this full face helmet so that you can imprint anything you want onto the character. They just do the Dark Souls 2 thing and just make you male at the beginning. <laughs> and if you choose female, I'll be like, whoops! That's actually a very Nintendo thing to do. And it's actually something I prefer in games to actually right. have a clear-cut like protagonist character mm-hmm. instead of character customization. The biggest issue that I take with it 
is not really that major of an issue, really. Pants, no pants choices. You can't change the pants. <laughs> I kind of like that. Actually. No, that's fine. Just the, the compression shorts. <laughs> it is kind of weird in lore because all the characters wear black shorts with a stripe on. You just don't want to be restricted. Every living creature wears black shorts with a stripe. Wait, on. even Spike? the cool uh, uh, shrimp. They aren't really alive. Oh dang, that was harsh. I'm just sure. Okay. Spike doesn't wear. I don't know what Spike shorts. wears. It's probably some he hipster wears... douchebag shit. He wear... Oh, he's like Chris. Let's go with bottoms. most. Most <laughs> things in this game wear black. If you're an inkling, you wear right. black shorts. Which, by the way, and this is you can inform me since I feel like you, Andy, will be more readily able to answer this question. All right. Whether this is normal or abnormal for Nintendo generally. Why did they feel the need to give this game so much lore? Because it's there, and it seems almost entirely unnecessary. Um, I don't know if I can give them a solid answer for that, because I don't work for Nintendo. But uh, I would say probably just for like the flavor of, you know, like just to, just to have it there, to make it more interesting. But like, it doesn't make... There's no Mario lore that I can look up that explains the existence. Are you sure about there that? There are a lot of people who have tried. It's not in the. It's not. It's that. not in the text. It's definitely. Maybe you can cobble together something. Maybe <laughs> it's a response to the fans of Mario and the fans of Zelda for like combing through the games trying to find all this lore. <laughs> that like, just doesn't fans exist. are essentially responsible. For the split timeline theory. Yep. And, like, Hyrule Historia existing. So they were like, oh, people really are into this. Let's just, like, put a lore in our game. That makes a lot of sense. That being said, think of how much lore is in this game in terms of, like, how deep it goes. There is a lot. (laughs) Is there a lot? Oh, there is. Yeah, and There is a lot. Is is it explicitly, or at least explicitly implied as far as that works? Yes. There are, in the single player mode of this game... 30, like, actual scrolls of lore that explain all of the history of the game. But really, couldn't one dude have just done that? Like, one guy could have just sat down and been like, uh, Octo dudes, (laughs) fucking Inklings, roll about. You you mean one guy at Nintendo? Yeah, like, I thought you meant, like, one dude in the lore of the game, faked all could of the faked scrolls. the lore? No. I mean, like, could, couldn't, like, yeah, like, one developer, or not even a developer, but, like, one guy that Nintendo hired could basically have just been, like, here's the story, and then, like, a scriptwriter could have just, like, hashed out, like, some scrolls, and then they, like, okay, this is a great backdrop for a tutorial. That could have been the case, but I think with Nintendo, that wouldn't happen. Right. They probably put a lot of time and effort into it. <laughs> yeah, because a lot of the lore connections aren't just like... A, almost all of it is entirely optional. If you wanted to, you could treat this game the same way that you would treat going through like Super Mario World, where you just sort of assume everything's sort of weird and abstracted and video gamey and fun. Or you could like find the secret scroll in level 27 and figure <laughs> out that the tea kettles you've been popping into in fact lead to like underground rooms that are like huge and sustain the life of these like octoling people and the, the point with that is that you're not just being told that like you're underground and you have all this shit it's just you can now look around and be like oh all these single player levels which previously seemed to just be somewhere abstracted nowhere 
I can now look and see, like, pieces of the paneling fall off the wall to reveal the rock behind it and other, like, strange little details like that in the world. And it's, I mean, it's cool. It's when I played through the single-player mode, I only found, like, five of them. Right. So there's, like, plenty of it that I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, it seems like a bizarre choice, but I mean, I it really does also seem like kind of a Nintendo like sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have incredible attention to detail most of the time, so... I mean, I can't give I, an explanation my, for it. Yeah, my opinion is that I think lore makes any kind of fiction better. I am in it's, exactly the opposite no, see, no, camp. But what you, the distinction you need to make, though, is you can't confuse lore with story. Well, right. And I like a story in a game, but I don't like Right, but lore. like lore is there, like, you don't have to acknowledge it at all. Right. It's there to, like, rich in the world for people who want it. Right, that's and, fine like, it, if like, they it, can implement Skyrim is a good example, as we used before, where, like, yeah, you there are lots of ways, like, books and stuff, and... It doesn't really give you too much of, like, a, a bonus in terms of, like, how you're enjoying well, the game. it's not, like, to add to the game itself in the sense of, like, you playing the game. Right. But, like, it's, like, it, like, activates your imagination. It makes the game stay on your mind. It makes you think about it more. It, like, it, like, deepens your connection with the game. At least that's the experience I have. Right. With Irrelevance, in Splatoon cases, in Splatoon's case specifically, uh... We have to concede that all of the lore, uh, and even the whole aesthetic of the game, was literally secondary because they made this game mechanics first. Right, there was like, like Nintendo little, does. Yeah, there was like a little sub. I don't know the specific name of, of the developer cadre that came up with the game, but it was like a, like essentially the new dogs at Nintendo thought up this idea for like a new set of shooter mechanics, and then attempted to think. Of like of the to go. new dogs, yeah. You're like, yo, dog. dogs. It's like, oh, look, we got some new dogs. <laughs> the old dogs, and but, the new dogs. No, you can't teach a new dog old tricks, <laughs> mechanics. <laughs> yes, Dad. Thanks. You can't teach old dog new tricks, mechanics. Done. <laughs> Podcast <laughs> over. <laughs> Solved. Tricks are for dogs. <laughs> I was going for more of like a Tokyo something? jungle vibe. <laughs> The new dogs at Nintendo. Yeah, so they, they came up with all these mechanics for like a shooter, and then they were like, "Okay, what what on earth makes sense with you shoot guns and it creates spots that you can move through faster?" And they eventually just came up with the whole kid squid thing. And that all of seems that impossible. Around. That's what they you did. Know, you literally. know that's exactly how Nintendo did. No, nobody abstracts it so far as to being like, yes, oh, you, you shoot on the ground. It creates spots that you can move through faster. I don't know the language they use, mostly right, because right. They I probably, literally don't well, know I feel the language like, they like, use. I feel like paint is probably the first thing yep, that came like, up. Like he said with the paintball thing from right. Gears of War, it probably came from like a similar thing. Like what... Like right. the turf war idea, and like you can cover the most ground, right. and they're like Clearly, all squid shooting. They were, they were you know, the so. the new dogs were huge N sixty four players, and they took inspiration from Golden Eyes paintball mode and Tony Hawk Pro Skaters graffiti <laughs> mode. That's completely possible. Combined the two and made a pretty <laughs> radical shoot. I'm not even convinced that they had paint in mind when they came up with the mechanics of this game. They probably. I did. think. Well, here. I think <laughs> wild speculation. Doing, <laughs> yes, I'm also participating. Is in that it. they were all active shooter players beforehand, and they were uh. trying to really make clear the concept of area control in a game, like literally clear. Like 
in, like in Splatoon, there are spots on the ground that are places you can go and places you for functionally can't go most right. of the time. You would prefer not to go. Yes. Right. That's just it's just visually there, and that's sort of a high tier shooter thing. People have to over time become aware of so they don't just run forward into the death right, right, right. and surrounded horribleness. That's why you see people like if you play like a competitive shooter for a long period of time, you start by walking forward and getting mowed down. <laughs> then you reach the mid tier level where you think that you're good and you become like the lone wolf guy. Yeah. And you're like run around like maybe you get like a couple of kills and you're like, I helped, but really you didn't do jack. And then eventually you graduate to the point where you're actually a like a help to the team exactly right. this is it helps even with that menta- mentality right splatoons paint mechanics allow you to skip so many of them because assuming that you're at tier two here and you're the lone wolf guy uh, and you're just trying to like paint a line through wherever you need to be and go if you keep doing that if you just keep pushing forward by yourself even assuming you're good all that you're going to do is paint a bunch of lines that will immediately be covered because there are more people on the opposite team painting than you. You will sort of line your way up around the map and do a bunch of circles to try and escape things, but you can't outpaint that many people. And the other individuals can simultaneously paint while also holding a line. Right. It's just... It, and you're so restricted in your movements because you have to shoot before you can really walk anywhere unlike a lot of other shooters where you're trying to be the lone wolf guy, you can't, like, do anything as simple as, like, circle strafe or, like, dodge or something because you just have this little space here that you can move and nowhere else, so you're literally stuck to the ground. It's just extremely helpful. Yeah. I would say... Hmm. You'd say hmm? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, Splatoon's curve does tend to be... A lot shorter to get you into the mindset, like of especially if you play the story mode. That that really is necessary because I'm not willing to say that the motion control cu- curve is short. It, no, yeah, it's impossibly long, and I've never <laughs> played the story mode. <laughs> yeah, it does really teach you all the mechanics really well. I mean, I get like, see, that's the thing is, I have an idea of the mechanics, but it's literally the controls that I can't break myself out of. If I did play the like story mode slash tutorial. I would probably have much better, like... Oh, yeah, did you never even do it. the tutorial? He there's, did nothing. No, yeah. I didn't notice. I just jumped in and started playing. Yep. He's a pro. I'm yes, some, I'm, a, yeah, I'm the best video game he's player in the whole time. Forward. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I don't... I, I absolutely agree. Single player really helps the transition between the two. That does not justify a lot of the choices in the single player that I assume were made to help people acclimate to the controls first. Specifically, the number of levels that exist in the single-player mode that aren't really challenging and are pretty repetitive. Like, the bosses are fine, but there are, what, four or five? Five bosses in the game? I found them Something re- like that. really, really enjoyable. And the first couple of levels where all of this was sort of novel and fun was good. But... Uh, yeah, there's, like, in every little, like, section... There's always the level where you have to like avoid the ink strikes yep. and get to the end and like kill that one dude. There's right. the level where you fight the little octolings, which are like your evil octopus female counterparts right. that you run toward yeah. attack. And then there's the rest of them are just essentially platforming levels with the ink mechanics. Yep. Because it's not like the enemies 
that aren't the bosses are any real yeah, threat to you. I think the game definitely could have benefited from a more fleshed out story mode, but I mean, I would think that about any game because I like story modes. Yeah, and we're <laughs> the lonely people. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, that's probably more true like, than anybody else. But, like, uh, if a fighting game, for example, has a story mode, it's like five times better in my opinion. Yeah. No, yeah, that's the ugh. like. <laughs> Your options with a fighting game are to only ever play it with your friends. Right. Or get play it, play it by yourself and become way better than your friends and have it no longer be fun. Or play it online and just get, get mercilessly stumped. Get your ass handed to you. Yeah. Yeah, dude, if you try to play Injustice it. online, yeah, it's you miserable. just get murdered. Yeah. That is a thing that surprisingly, and I'm, I'm using data from you... Uh, and when Daniel started playing specifically, does not seem to exist in Splatoon. There is, like, I expected, since we played a lot, and we got our level high enough, and we started to get matched with other people whose levels were high, that there'd be, like, a really sort of sharp learning curve, like in most other shooters. Mm -hmm. It doesn't appear to exist here, and I'm not entirely certain why. It happens every once in a while. You just get stomped real hard. Right, but, like, this game... (laughs) I had, as an example, most of the the true stomps that exist, uh, you'll go through it, it'll be a painful experience one way or the other, and then you'll figure out that, like, one player left. I have almost, I can think of one occasion out of the hundreds of hours I've already put into this where there was, like, an actual four-on-four that was a true stomp, where everyone was sort of pushed all the way back. That's happened way more often to me. Oh, not like way often, but way more than that. I mean, like so it happens to you. Yeah, it, yeah. it happens. So we have like, on on like record that you suck. Yeah, yeah, okay, I good. suck real bad. Now, like uh, just today, <laughs> earlier today, I was playing, and uh, the two maps that were up were the Moray Towers and the Lali Warehouse, mm-hmm. which Wolf are both apparently like sniper central maps. Because, like, everyone was playing Sniper, and, like, if you didn't have one on your team, you just lost. Towers is. Yeah, like, so, like, the warehouse one has, like, the area where you can, like, shoot between, like, the boxes in the middle and hit people on the other side. It's, like, everyone knew to play Sniper on those maps, and, like, if you didn't have one on your team, you just got destroyed. I'd like to stress at this point. That we recommend playing or at least having some knowledge of whatever game we talk about before listening to these podcasts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which is something we'll probably get better about sort of going piecemeal on in the future. But, if you were wondering, in Splatoon, in the primary mode, you win games by covering a larger percentage of the ground area than than the opposing team. Right, but there's a reason that, at least I specifically didn't interject earlier to try and point that out, and that's because even in like the, the regular mode in which you do that, it's still most of the time secondary to who managed to get the most, who controlled areas the best, who killed the most players, yeah. essentially. Which not is like true, one but it's not the stated objective in the game. Right, right Which is right. also a unique thing about the game that we could get into. But luckily, the game firing the guns wonders. painted paints yeah. things right, right, right yeah right yeah like for me like when first playing the game 
I kind of got like a weird impression of like what you're supposed to do to like, be successful in the game because I'm like, oh, the game's not about getting killed; it's about painting the most area. Right. So you should run around trying to get like the most points by painting the most area, and then like JJ was explaining earlier, like if the other team like works as a team and they hold the line and they're able to paint way more than you like you're working on your own and they're working as a team you're not gonna be able to paint as much as them right which is something like you slowly realize like you like oh okay if i run in there and i hold this area and like i kill three of their dudes and then that's like all this time for my team to keep painting while theirs have to respawn and come back right so like you gain control of the area you get more paint spread like that's how the game works but like when you first start playing, you think, oh, I just got to paint as much right. as I can. The game says outright, like, <laughs> the the mode is called Turf War. The, like, it shows up, I think there's, like, a, a tooltip at the beginning of each level that's, like, control the most area to win. Yep, yep. And <laughs> there's, like, a con- like, at the end, it displays your win to loss by, like, showing a percentage of how much is passed, and you gain points and power up your special by covering area with your paint but all of that said is not like is not implicitly what the game actually relies on which is interesting and what it does is make crazy people like jj (laughs) delve into the mechanics to figure out the ways to optimize or more likely switch over and just play ranked (laughs) which we'll get into i'm sure yeah um and it also allows 12 year olds to pick up the game and understand exactly what you're supposed to Red do, at least exactly. from like a, from a certain. Like, One thing element. I wanted to bring up is this the first shooter like ever designed for kids, it, like ex- like explicitly, yeah. like number one. No, if there was a shooter that was explicitly designed for kids, would we know about it? I know about it. What is? It? <laughs> they made a. Uh, well, they're they're a lot actually. Who is they? They. Is I guess the the pub not the public but the like companies <laughs> the at large uh, when this this is not related to Splatoon but a fun interjection all right when they made um, when Doom released on PC and oh, it God. became really popular okay. a lot of companies started making uh, wads to basically total conversions of Doom that would just take the Doom mechanics and put in new sprites and stuff. So it was exactly the same mechanics. You walk from place to place and shoot demons. But instead of shooting demons, they would be, like, the mascot of, like, whatever company and you would, like, throw a lollipop at them or something. So I could, like, There's a whole the bunch noise. of these. Does that really count as a game made for, like, a shooter made for kids? It's like a some of them were, some of them were, you know. That already exists. <laughs> It's a palette swap, but I mean, they were at the time marketed as actual games. Mm. I get, but yeah. but were they? on the shelves beside <laughs> Office Depot, right? They had little arrows that were like yeah. game, game, four ninety nine. Yeah, but I mean, other than that, I mean, it depends on how you define a shooter. I guess, like you think about like Yoshi's Story had like a targeting reticule that you throw eggs and stuff. Definitely not a shooter. <laughs> it's a <laughs> Yeah. But I mean, as, the Yoshi much, FPS. But I mean, was I would play? It. I would play it all the oh, oh, top speed. A shit. tongue comes yeah. out from the. It's, it's gonna be the first three D FPS. Oh, the tongue comes out of the screen. Did you ever play um, the sh- like the multiplayer like shooter mode in Donkey Kong sixty four? Oh yeah, you, yeah. I mean that. I mean, uh, it was that brings up a good question though. Well. 
Banjo Tooie, rather. Banjo Tooie. Because you, like, you could use Kazooie as a gun. Right. Yeah, and she'd say, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be potentially real and insulting for a moment. Sure. There has never been a shooter designed for kids because all of them are kind of designed for like 14 year olds. Oh, yeah, They're that's all fair. designed for kids. Well, I was going to say, they yeah, like. Just say they aren't in a lot of significant ways, but they know where their audience is. Right. Well, well like, designed with, like, kids in mind specifically in the way that Splatoon is. I don't even know if. I mean, Splatoon was marketed to kids. Yeah. But I don't think that Splatoon was designed for kids. It's something that. It's it's designed as, like, a mass audience kind True, of thing. True, but I mean, like, it's definitely. It's like a, like a cartoon, like a good cartoon, like something like Hey Arnold. It's something that, like. <laughs> An adult. This is Splatoon. <laughs> hey Arnold. Like that completely took me off guard. Okay. Yeah, I did, like, not, did not expect Splatoon, the Hey Arnold of games. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. Yeah. But like it's Hey Arnold is a cartoon. I have bringing it back around here. Right. It's like is a cartoon on Nickelodeon, therefore like designed with kids in mind. But right. there's like a lot more there. That adults or like a general audience can appreciate. Also, Nickelodeon slimed people. Yeah, Splatoon, <laughs> slimes, oh, people like things. Yep. Tunes. So like Splatoon, I w- is like a good children's cartoon in that way. That it's designed, or like a Pixar film. It's designed with kids in mind, but it's not necessarily like. It's designed know, like, aesthetically oh, with kids, kids in mind. Right. I think that's obvious. It's not for, like dumbed down, like to right. like pander to kids. Yeah, I mean, you look at like something yeah. like like you mentioned, Time Splitters. Time Splitters is a game that clearly was designed like with that cartoon aesthetic. Like that's what they wanted to go with. But at the same time, people said "fuck" and you shot him in the head and blood shot out. Like right. that's what made it an M-rated game. Well, the first one's a T, but we're not going to get into that. Uh, but like. Splatoon, yeah, like, generally speaking, I guess, fairly family-friendly, but at the same time... Like, they won't put red ink in the game, because right. they don't want people to be like, oh, it's blood. Yeah. Right. Yep. But, I mean, Which I think is dumb. I want to go on record saying that. <laughs> but, I mean, I feel like Splatoon's... <laughs> no, yeah, that. Uh, but I feel like Splatoon's uh, approach to making a game that is ostensibly kid-friendly almost backfires in a certain way where it's more like having the playboy magazine in your textbook where it's like you have it's a shooter where you're like that you know like rewards aggression and you're still using things that are designed to look like guns to shoot at other people with guns and they explode into uh, a pool of liquid and giblets and then, you know, are reformed immediately. Right, I mean, they come back. You and come they're back giblet in, reformer. But you can't. You come back in Halo. You die mm-hmm. in Halo, and you still respawn. The only difference is that it has a dark filter over it, and you're shooting bullets. <laughs> <laughs> I like, will... It just seems like kind of like a, a thing to throw over the shooter to make it look more appealing to, like, people who would be concerned about it. It certainly... I, I and again, I also mean, might be overstepping here. I think it hurt them with robot chin. I mean, that's what it is. It hurt them with competitive gamers. I think with like people who are like really into the stuff generally and all the time because you I mean, real gamers. Yeah, real yeah, gamers. Right, that's right, right, yeah, yeah. not like the audience they were trying to reach with this. I know. They're, no, they're trying to reach people who own the Wii U. There is literally a, a line of commercial that, as we are taping this cast, is played on like. Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon. Right. That's like, 
like Splatoon like is the esport of something. Like the word esport is like huge and up there. Is in the end of the commercial. Oh wow. Well you guys evidently don't watch enough (laughs) (laughs) You know, adult swim for us adult people. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean they they wanted this. They wanted to have the best of both worlds here by doing that. And I I absolutely think the aesthetic hurt them there. Mm -hmm. Because Ear, I, my ear has been to the ground in all places in which this could exist. There is no meaningful competitive Splatoon community months after release of the game. Right. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people online and these kind of circles will be afraid to say that because they don't want to hurt any chances of it existing in the future. Right. But there, you're, there is about two places you could go online for those curious squid, bo- squid boards, a little form, and uh, the Splatoon subreddit. That I'm aware of, you could get to play any tournament at all. Nintendo holds their official things, uh, but they're mostly for fun. Uh, the, there was a Splatoon tournament in the Nintendo World Championship, which shows that they're at least trying to market it as like a tournament thing that right. they come in and compete in. But it, they don't have like a tournament tournament rule set. Nintendo wasn't used to these sort of things. Yeah, I'm gonna roll back a little bit to when you were talking about how you can't customize characters. Yeah, and. That's rewinding. Oh, well, okay. Way back. <laughs> I'm not just rolling back the whole conversation. I'm just bringing that up so okay. that we can talk about it in conjunction with this. Okay. Uh, specifically, and to use a cliche, Nintendo being dragged, kicking, and screaming into the current generation of games. And, like, in terms of, I guess, marketing, because Nintendo makes fucking good games. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think anybody's really arguing that, but it's just, it's not appealing to particularly a western audience and they are so slow to kind of take the next step forward that they always feel like they're a generation or two behind so we have it we have our first online shooter that nintendo has made not that i think anybody was asking for it but i mean i'm glad it happened (laughs) (laughs) not one soul cared at all (laughs) but after shooters have been in the mainstream since like 2004? 2005? Like, it's been a while since shooters became, like, the primary... Yeah. Like, we, oh, video games, you mean, like, murder simulators. Yeah, right? yeah. like the Xbox. <laughs> right, much, yeah. much to my dismay. Right. So, Nintendo put out a shooter, finally, but it doesn't have voice chat. Now, there's an argument there. They specifically there didn't want to have right. that. Yeah. And I don't even, I don't know how well Nintendo's network even supports it, because it's a whole other thing. They, you have to run VoIP. And... Have, have you ever, yeah. uh, when you, I know you have a Wii, right? You have a Wii? I have a Wii 1, yes. Uh, did Wii you Wii ever play Animal Crossing no. uh, for that way? I played it on Well, it was Wii possible speak. for you to get a little Wii Speak. That's about yay big. It's a real thing. Real I didn't make odd. it up. Yep. Uh, you can use it for Animal Crossing. And that's it. And that's all. <laughs> <laughs> goes on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> they tried this a second time. They've had a microphone in their hardware since the DS. And they tried it a second time on the DS. <laughs> oh, you can do it in Pokemon. Yeah, when yeah. they made like a weird ear attachment thing. Oh, God. So you could speak to people playing Pokemon Diamond. I don't remember that at all. Yeah, with it your, exists. With your Poke Communicator, yep. whatever it was called. And you can... Get it right now for $4 in Walmart discount sections <laughs> near you. Because I found one. Was tempted to you buy it. You found on... one? 
Like yeah. now? In a Walmart discount section for $4. For wanted a to buy game it. that came out in 2006? It's a, it's a Walmart in <laughs> our state. It's going to be that old. It just seems impossible <laughs> that they could still have them in stock. I mean, it is heavily discounted. A little red sticker. And all that. That's just amazing. It says best used by 2007. (laughs) Yeah, like, why would they keep, like, making them and sending them to Walmart? We we speak. It was in, like, the, like, this has already been opened, you know, shitty section. They're trying to get rid of it. That's why I had the red sticker. So, in summary, Nintendo's voice chat on everything for 10 years is garbage. Just garbage. They've never even tried. In a we serious speak way. In your grocery Yeah, I think they specifically like stated that they don't like the idea of it. Right. Yeah. Well that's fine. Okay. That's that is just one complaint. Right, like, we got four minutes like the, at it. The whole the whole thing with Splatoon is they don't want people like yelling profanity. Right. Yeah. Which brings me to why you can't customize your Okay, you can put new clothes on them, but you can't like make I don't even really know what would go beyond that. Are you afraid they're going to turn their faces into dicks? Uh, what? Like, me's? Like, every me? <laughs> like, every single person who's ever owned a Wii has done? What? Has made a dick face me? That's I just... haven't? I've never even thought about doing that. I've oh, never even innocence. seen one. What? Oh. Like, what? on them, like, the... Have you never That's turned on my Wii? <laughs> no. I have, no, like, man. three. Actually, I have never thought of it. I do not believe that you have never seen a dick me at this point in the human race. I don't think I have. I literally have never heard anyone. I've never seen. Okay, but you're aware of like the Hitler me's. Yeah, and like, (laughs) (laughs) okay, we've just circumvented the whole situation. We're talking about Hitler. That was one of the first things I did. Hitler me. Yeah, and everybody did. Weirdly, yeah, but. uh... I don't know what it's a fucking obsession with it is. But uh like, Nintendo hates that and they saw that they did they were like, Yeah, just do what you need and then everyone was like, We're just gonna make fucking flailing dong Hitlers <laughs> and send that out into the world and right. Nintendo was like, We fucked up. Yeah, apparently I guess that's why they never like updated like the Mii Maker. Right. Because they still don't have red hair. Yeah. No red hair for me. <laughs> Even on the Wii U. They were like, here's like the next console. No red hair. <laughs> they, uh, it's it, similar to this. The amount of moderation that exists on, I forget the name of Nintendo's dumb social network. Meverse. 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 Is hysterical. Oh, yeah. Uh, because I'll keep seeing things about, you know, the like 10 year olds that populate the Splatoon subreddit. Uh, who keep getting banned because they will mention that they're under the age of 14 in, like, a post or something. Oh, God. Immediately banned. Every time. It's... Under the age of 14? It's an E10+. Plus. Yeah, E10+, plus, it says right on the No, no, no. It's not even for the game. It's just if you say that on Miiverse. Oh, um, yeah. There is some, like... the Miiverse, not the game. Huh. That actually... I mean, I don't... Weird. Yeah. Yep. It's weird. It's kind of like when you lied about your age to get on MySpace. Exactly. Yeah. What? I am slightly older than you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, people would... Actually, I think I was of age for... And MySpace was supposed How, to be 16. Had, and I, I didn't... I don't remember yeah. that. I started MySpace <laughs> when I was, like, 14 or 15 years old. Wow. I don't actually know if that's true. Don't date that, You were please. so, up, you were so I didn't have the time. one yeah. until, like, freshman year of high school. Yeah. So I would have been 14. I don't remember having to lie about my age. Yeah, you just li- Yeah, you would have to, like... Say that you were older, so that they would even let you make an account. I don't yeah. remember. Of course, that at they all. have no way of verifying. Right? Yeah. Once you get under eighteen, it's basically impossible to verify. So, I mean, I don't know if it's a legal thing or if it's just like a 
Nintendo trying to keep it in good taste then. Yeah. But yeah, like, I don't know. There's some weird stuff with social networking. Yeah. But, which is something that Nintendo also does very fucking badly. Nintendo is just very fucking restrictive about... Everything they can be. They're so worried about their image. image. It's yeah. like it's like being a company like Disney, who always has to like walk on glass and make sure that like no one like they don't offend anybody. Right. But there's admittedly some upside there. Like this is the first game that I can think of that's a shooter that I would unabashedly recommend to the mother of an eight year old, like without even a thought. Yeah. You would recommend it to the mother or to the eight-year-old? To the mother, because the eight-year-old would want it anyway. The mother would be uh, like, is it all right if I buy this game for my child? And they'd be like, yes, nothing bad will ever happen to your child for owning this game. Well, I would like to point out that nothing bad would probably happen to their child if they owned, like, Perfect Dark. But, like... Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean. Right. I mean, there's not even... They might pick up a few swears. What if the right. radio comes, like, an electrical fire? <laughs> what are these crazy hypotheticals that would make you feel bad about it? <laughs> they, are, they already own the console. It's the, just whether they or not they get the, the disc. To play the game. Right. <sighs> In my you. world, this eight-year-old had his Wii U for a long time. He's been playing new Super Mario Brothers. Right, how long has the Wii U been out now? Like two years? Yeah. Huh. First next-gen console. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Tell me what you mean. Uh, but yeah, that's... God. I think a legit... Oh, yeah. And it has thing. an HDMI cable. <laughs> There's a silent thumbs up from Andy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Nintendo needs to maybe get a little bit into the times. But I honestly I like think Ninten- the voice chat thing is a is a hard decision. Like I mean, I know I'm not I'm going very far against the grain with this, and this is a thing that you can have different stances on. And it's just, I think it's honestly a preference. But I like it without the voice chat. I think the existence of the two possible expressions that exist in the game. Uh, come on and booyah right. are exactly what it needs. They're going to add two on the other two buttons eventually. They've had surveys oh, wow. uh, where they're like, wow. what do you want the other buttons to be? <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, yeah and, but and come what, here. <laughs> just, uh, to go back to what you just said, it's like what people say all the time is you think that Nintendo gets, needs to get more with the times. I did say that I was going to use a cliche, but yes. Ask you why. Why they need to get... Well, yeah. It's mostly a hardware thing. And not only that, this is probably a discussion for this topic, is the hardware that Nintendo uses scares the fuck out of me. Uh, I'll explain. It scares you? It scares me to a certain extent. I'm going to get a drink so I can hear this. Okay. Well, (laughs) the reason why is mostly for convenience sake. Like, I play Nintendo consoles on occasion, primarily my 3DS, but... Even on that, I still have to enter a 16-digit friend code if I want to add somebody, which is archaic, but not really, because no one ever asked you to do that. <laughs> so, like, that kind of thing is something that should have been established, like, a friends list that you can just add people in-game. They've started to do that on the 3DS, and I don't know about the Wii U, but it's been years since it's been a thing that you can just right do. Now. In Splatoon, you can just uh, link up with each other. You don't need to put in a friend code or anything. I honestly forgot. That's one bit of information about this game. I don't have immediate memory. I forget how we ever did it. I mean, I, like you're in my game now as like Andy, the person that I just link with. But I forget yeah. if I had to do something to make you my friend beforehand. Yeah. I don't remember either. But additionally, like the Wii U is the first Nintendo console to support HD visuals, which right. is weird considering, according to uh, like Microsoft executives. Uh, 
2006 was the year of HD gaming, or the yeah. advent of HD gaming or something. Yeah, just when the Wii came out. Yeah, and yeah. They, they that was all standard definition. I mean, like... They admitted that was a mistake, though. That's true. They've come out and been like, the Wii should have had increased capabilities in terms of HD. That's the thing that they've said in, like, public interviews. Not that... Frankly, they should really be complaining in any respect about how the Wii did. Right, yeah, I mean, the Wii sold pretty well. The reason the Nintendo hardware scares me, and this is the thing where I don't necessarily think you need to get with the times necessarily, but the thing that is worrisome to me is how hardware-specific their games are, where if 10 years down the road I want to play Splatoon, I would have to own a functioning Wii U, which would probably have you know like not been manufactured in six years at that point so it becomes like kind of a difficult like when you have so much stuff that is hardware specific it's great for marketing but if you are the kind of person who wants to revisit a game or the kind of person who thinks that games should be preserved the same way that like books or music are it's kind of difficult to get behind being like I have to basically own every Nintendo console and keep them in pr- pristine condition if I ever want to replay a modern Nintendo game. And that's really weird to me. Not a I problem. Get a, I can get an emulator for an N64. We'll just, we'll wait until we get, like, the Oculus Riftiest. Right. And then we'll put it on our faces and we'll have, like, a 3D wireframe of an well, entire Wii U. Right. I mean, you can play... NES games, Super Nintendo games, N64 games, and Wii games all on the Wii U. We can play all of those games on a laptop as well True. because they just have traditional controller in- inputs. But the Wii is different because the Wii has motion controls. And that's a coming problem because there's eventually going to be a time when they're not going to have to not going to be able to keep supporting the Wii mote as an institution. Right. <laughs> like there's going to come a day when we can't just keep syncing our Wii motes with things. Right. As like, think of how much bigger of a deal that would be than the dark day we realized we couldn't use GameCube controllers for Smash Brothers anymore. Right. I mean, I don't anymore. I don't either. I, I've gotten used to it. Yeah, I actually think that's like incredibly stupid. No, no. But my that point people insist on using that controller. <laughs> my point is not that that controller was somehow better or that would be worse for leaving it. My point was that there was that much complaint about that small of a change from the change from a GameCube controller to like. The Wii U Pro controller. controller. is like, think I it think it's better. Yeah. <laughs> it probably is, frankly. I use a 3DS. Just look at the C-Stick and tell me the Pro controller is not better. It's just I actually oh, yeah. like the C-Stick a lot, but get the out. Pro, pro, pro controller is better. Yeah, I love, like, I use, I think I'm one of our only friends who, I don't use the button in, like, the B over. I use the C-Stick. Oh, for right, almost, like, yeah. everything. I only use it occasionally. I love the C-Stick. Would the C would it be better if replaced by that? It stick? is better with the right. Then the C stick is still garbage. Stick, yeah. <laughs> but at the time, I fucking. What does it do with Nintendo and fucking like weird ass camera sticks? N sixty four had four weird yellow yeah. buttons. The that being said, they were kind of like the first to yeah. do it, so that's fine. Yeah. And then like the Wii is a weird thing, right? What? Yeah, the, the Wii is <laughs> a weird pointer? thing. Yes. Yeah, it has like a pointer. Can I just use an analog stick? I thought else? you were going for like the new 3DS like weird laptop. I was going to get on. there, yeah. The okay. new 3DS laptop. That one makes plus sense. the, uh, like in the GameCube had like the hexagonal 
like indents so that if you went if you like did a full circle it'd be like clicky clack 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 with CC. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they so, got off topic briefly. No, yeah. no. Honestly, I think it's relevant enough because the you're correct. You're if I'm not being stupid here, you're. I think you're honestly correct about the difficulties and backwards compatibility because they designed this game for this console in so many ways that it actually kind of hurt them. It, it. I don't know if this is legitimate. Something else might come out later talking about how it was just some oversight or failure in development of their part. But as of like today. They essentially blame all the reasons they can't, they couldn't do like local split screen multiplayer in this game on like the Wii U hardware, the, on the fact that you can't have multiple game pads hooked up to one machine, and you have to have like in order to play this game, you have to have a, a touch screen controller with a map on it that you can use to aim yeah, right. all your little specials and other stuff and see everything that's going on in real time, including how much of the map is painted, and you have the gyroscope controls, and it's just it's very specific. See which the game does well, if have. If you had a controller, yeah. like if the pro controller had the gyroscope in it, right? I feel like that would work just fine. Like if like if they wanted to be you be able to play this game on their next generation console, if they designed the controller to have like the gyroscope in it, that you could just play the game with that. I mean, like having the map. Like I don't know about you, but like I never use it. Yeah, I don't look at the map, but you do have to for, like, like I look certain at the map, specials. I look at the map when I get killed, and, like, I'm like, oh, okay. I guess I'll, I guess I'll go to the <laughs> I guess go to the next You know, thing. like, I feel like they could put, like, they could, like, maybe put the map on the screen like other games do. Like, yeah, like a mini-map. Like a transparent kind of thing. Right. Like, I think they could port the game, essentially, to, like, their next console. For Splatoon, fun. specifically, pointing it as a mini-map wouldn't work, because you'd have to... Okay, you'd have to give the map a whole lot of fidelity, uh, and not enough both to represent things like painting and but the positions of like friendly team members, but also enough that that you could see that easily at a glance in the same way that I can just sort of True. turn down at the map. I guess That's I just the thing that I, I just, can't do. Yes, yeah, so I just don't really look at that stuff that often. <laughs> yeah, so it doesn't seem like it's big of a deal to me. You really should, Andy. I mean, like, I do. Would be the best there ever was. You I, have to I keep mean, checking down randomly at your maps. Yeah. So you know who's painting where and. You can counterpaint with their other Now, paints. I only ever look at who's painting where, like, when I respawn, and then I know where to go, and I'm like, I'm going to hold this area until I die, and then I look at it again, I'm like, oh, I guess I'll go there. Right. I don't, like, actively look at it while I'm, like, playing, while I'm painting. Right. I don't know. Part of the... I don't know. I've always liked the mini-map system in shooters. Uh, I, I like the idea of, like, not being sure. It doesn't work in this game, and I understand that, but, like... I don't know. It, the map currently does me no good, but it's clearly probably an indispensable tool right, for high-level play. You have to use it, too, for some of the specials. Yeah. yeah. I honestly... And jumping. Which I totally thing. forgot about. I think they overestimated how much people would jump. This right. is, again, possibly just speculation. Wait, what? About the super jump. The super jump. Oh, one of the, other, the, one of the other mechanical features of the game, for those unaware, is at any time when you're playing... You can look at the map and click on one of your friends or, like, the starting area where you spawn, and you'll just literally jump off, like, 50 feet in the air on a big arc and fly to them, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, but no one really does that much because unless you have a specific 
like few pairs of shoes. You'll have a Splatoon, giant, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, unless yes. you're wearing these shoes, <laughs> you'll have a giant marker on the ground for the whole time you're jumping, which is like four or five seconds. That shows exactly where you're going to land. So if you attempt to jump anywhere like dangerous, where that could be dangerous in the next five seconds, which is kind of a long amount of time in a shooter, yeah. you'll just die instantly. Right. Uh, so people don't jump much or ever. Honestly, yeah. I never do. What sucks about it is that it Honestly, seems one puts those little beacons. You're right. What what sucks about it is that it doesn't seem as though that element in such a otherwise pretty finely tuned game, albeit it's one of the few games that Nintendo is actively putting out like balance patches for, which is pretty new to them as well. Yep. This and Smash Brothers and maybe Mario Kart, but I'm not. I think Mario Kart has them too. I know they have content updates, so I'm not sure about balance, but they probably. I think they do because like. The all I think they tried to balance all of like the carts and the racers and everything. That's good. I wasn't aware. Yeah. But uh yeah, in, in what is otherwise a fairly finely tuned game, that that's the one thing that doesn't feel like it was designed around the mechanics because the game is very quick paced, as I mentioned before, and like when you go into your own ink you move faster. And the maps aren't huge. Some no. there's like maybe one or two of them that are pretty big. But yeah, they never launched with those maps. That wasn't that, that I came think later. The yeah. original map from the test fire is actually pretty big. Salt Spray? Yeah, Salt Spray Rig. Hmm. That in the Kelp Dome. It's like those are the large. That one does strike me as kinda of large. Kelp Dome is I think the largest in terms of coverage of the floor. Yeah. I don't know which is the largest in terms of like I have a love hate relationship with that stage. <laughs> More importantly though. Like, it makes it so that when you jump, it's always a very risky proposition, and the penalty of dying is Huge. that you have to wait. Yeah, like, yeah. you wait, and then you go back. The you penalty wait, you lose this, half your special. You lose half waste. your special, and you go back to the beginning. Yeah, so the penalty you just for, wasted, like, a yeah. ton of time. The penalty for dying on jumping is basically double, because you have to wait for the jump. You have to stop playing and look at the pad, point at the guy that you want to jump to, Wait for the jump to complete, die, <laughs> respawn, <laughs> and then come back, which totals a huge amount of time. And it seems like in each match as well, like three minutes. Is that what it is? In the yeah. standard mode, yes, it's yeah. three minutes. But if you were to look at that in any other shooter, the ability to moderately quickly bounce from a from like teammate to teammate would be game changing. Like would break some games wide open even with the same like splatoon mechanics where there's a thing on the ground that shows where you'll be in a lot of in a lot of games because like splatoon is the kind of game where like and this is coming from somebody who's probably only put like nine hours in Mm -hmm. splatoon seems to be the kind of game where you can roll in with a squad and like something just go wrong and like everyone just dies (laughs) it's just like you've got three dudes and you walk into into like a choke point and then like a giant squid does a somersault and all three of you are corpses immediately yeah that can happen yeah Yeah. that happens or you can get hit by the you can get like what like three people at once with the inkzuka yep right yep but if like you were playing like especially in like a big map like playlist on halo I'm not going to go too deep into Halo mechanics, but if you're playing on like a large map in Halo and you had a squad and you died and respawned and then could jump to your squad, even with the marker, you're not like trying to be stealthy, you're just trying to gain a tactical advantage. It, like The cut down on travel time would be so big they would have to redesign everything. 
to work around it. Like, so many games, like, there's safety in numbers. And it's true in Splatoon, but the matches are so short, the maps are so small, and all the mechanics want you to move so quickly yep. that the jump just doesn't do it. I think the intent, uh, at the very least in part, was to try and give people an outlet so that they could just always be in the fight. Right. If they, if they, if they were really the kind of people who didn't want to paint and wanted to just be in a firefight all the time, they could just go there. You just click the button and go there right now. Everywhere it is. <laughs> Instant gratification. Yeah. <laughs> but in order to make that not really unsatisfying to be on the receiving end, like I don't, for example, how would you change the super jump mechanics in the game as it ships now to make it so that people would actually super jump to their friends often, not just from spawn? Uh, that wouldn't also be just like the most bullshit thing imaginable on the receiving end. I think they could just get rid of it. Of the jump entirely? Yeah. Right. Well, if That's you're not being, the hypothetical. But if you're yeah. being good in a, in a lot of modes, uh, unless you've got, again, a lot of unexplored territory in this game, side note, because, again, there's almost no competitive scene, we almost have no idea what the capability of peoples are in like four-man coordinated teams. Right. So this could all just be horse shit. But like playing with random people online, the rule of thumb in all but like tower control, one of the ranked modes, is never jump ever. The amount of time that you gain compared to jumping from just swimming because you're so fast when you move through your own ink is like a few seconds depending on map. Uh, and you risk by jumping just your immediate useless death. So you just never jump anywhere. Right. It almost seems better to jump from... Okay, actually, I think the way they should do it is if they keep the map size generally the same, uh, to just not... I guess it's always an option to jump, but I feel like if you're jumping from spawn, it should operate the same way, and you should not use it. But if you're jumping from the field to another part, have it just not give you the mark. Or, like, drop a beacon saying, like, they're jumping, but then make it instantaneous. Because, like, the ability to cross, like, the area from your spawn to a bottleneck is generally so short that it isn't worth the risk. But if you paint yourself into a corner, literally, to the point where you're like, I've covered the ground here, there's no enemy like contest, yeah. to be able to just jump into... And they even specify, it's like, if you jump from like your own ink to like a friend who's in their own ink, it can happen instantaneously, otherwise you have to wait. But like, imagine the circumstance where you were like there was a line going on in the game and both of you have guns and you're just sort of firing each other from a distance repainting over the things you're both trying to paint and then oh surprise second guy he now outranges both of your guns you're dead in like a three second span of time that'd be horrible to be on the receiving end because you can never make any informed predictions because someone just might magically appear in front of you yeah yeah but yeah fuck it fuck the jump Get rid of it. It's garbage. I mean, they had to make a whole item, like a, or at least a whole ability that you can get on your clothing. That's just like you no longer you, your junks. Your jumps take a longer amount of time. Your junk is longer. You, you have a huge <laughs> junk. That's why they never made pants. They were worried about, like, it's about the huge junk ability. Yeah, uh, yeah, it makes sense. They, they, your jumps take a longer period of time to like charge up. Like you'll sit there as a squid, just kind of going like before you fly off into the air. Uh, but uh, and but in exchange, you don't get the marker anymore. But 
the little jump points when you're jumping to a friend, uh, it's important to know that they don't move with you. They just appear at whatever point the friend was at when you clicked it. Right. So that in combination with the extra wait time means even when you use the shoes that remove the marker, jumping to that point might not be relevant because it's so much because so much has happened since you chose to go there. I, or it might just be instant death because you're literally just surrounded by enemy paint. Right. Uh, and you'll just have to sit there and paint yourself, which will make you very noticeable. Like, I've, I've tried to play a couple of times with the, like, no marker form of play, and it's actually a lot worse than I expected it to be. I expected it to be, like, real, real good because you could have that surprise element that'd be so broken in other comparable shooters like we were talking about. Right. But turns out a lot of the time you just jump into enemy territory because you were attempting... The reason you tried to jump there was because the spot was contested, but if you're so slow that you're always too late, so you're now just enemy territory, and then they'll just turn around and shoot you. And right. you one or guy you're just in friendly territory, and then you just have to walk to the next area. As you anyway. would have anyway. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like, that's the kind of thing where, like, it seems like it would be broken in... Well, it, okay. <laughs> I compared it to, like, older shooters before, and that it takes a lot of its mechanics and, like, the feel of it. From from older shooters. Similarly, if you could super jump in Halo, it would be broken. If you could super jump in Quake, it would be worthless. Like, because if you were to jump from spawn into an area in a map, you would just eat a rocket immediately. <laughs> it wouldn't even people wouldn't even like think about it. They'd be thirty feet above you, flying through the air, <laughs> and you would just be like, "Oh, I'm here," and then just gives. <laughs> it wouldn't even be like a question. Weird Quake spins. Yeah, so, I don't know, it just seems like a weird mechanic to this game. Yep, I, I think they, they they put it in, but I, it definitely was not conceived at the same time as the rest of the game, and they were just trying to fix what they perceived as a problem, and it only helped people who were very, very new. Right. Well, in addition to Turf War, which is what we've been talking about for the majority of this game, or this podcast, on games. Yeah. Games. <laughs> this uh, is a game. Game. <laughs> <laughs> uh... There is also ranked mode, yeah. which you know more about than anybody else, but you want to take a break? Yeah, let's take a break. Let's take a break. Let's take a break. Break. Snack break. We're back? We're back? But, yeah, we're back. Okay, we're back. So you're talking about ranked mode, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. The, the other mode of Splatoon. All right, you changed it. You take the reins on oh, Okay, one. I'll take the reins on ranked. Uh, I've never played it. I play it sparingly. Yeah, and I've played it a whole bunch because uh, it's where they attempt to siphon off all the serious peeps who want to do serious things, so they don't ruin the fun of all the you know casual do nothing babies. Oh right, yeah. Shit yeah. their pants the daily. Yeah, <laughs> they wear diapers. The Actually, casual both do nothing. Babies. Both the casual and the hardcore wear diapers. The casual because they're babies. Yeah. The hardcore because they can't stop playing the game. Right. Correct. Yeah. So, ranked mode, unlike Turf War, uh, your explicit goal is not just paint the most area of the map. Your goal actually changes. Uh, there is a whole... Like, every other mode of the game that's multiplayer is all stuck in rank mode. And they sort of randomly pick one every few hours for you to do. In the same way that they randomly pick maps for you to do. And there's a whole bunch of stuff. There's an equivalent of, uh, like tower control except the tower you're controlling moves along lines uh there's just a straight up area control 
uh, version where splat zones. Splat zones. Yeah, yeah there's just a, a little like a square on the map that's like paint this, keep this painted. Uh, first person to keep painted for X amount of times wins. The games all last a lot longer because uh, because the, it turns out three minutes is not enough time to realistically determine which team is the best. No, they uh, instead they just give sort of specific goals in mind for all the different modes. There's a new one. Uh, that's rather fun called Rainmaker. Uh, it's like capture the flag, uh, except the flag is a bazooka, um, and it's weirdly steeped in lore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, not, not in-game lore like we were discussing earlier. Uh, like actual weird like Japan history motifs. Mm. I don't know. Don't ask me. I don't actually I know these things. I haven't played that one yet. Oh, the the easiest way to describe Rainmaker is like imagine you were playing football. But everyone who played football had a gun, and the football was also a gun. <laughs> sounds like regular right football. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and it's that's it sounds fun. Sounds like a lot more metal. It's uh, it's yeah, pretty. I don't know what it is. There's a <laughs> lot of death that <laughs> happens in Rainmaker. Football, but everyone's got guns. Are you ready for some football? <laughs> <laughs> Machine guns now. This isn't like a Normandy reenactment, uh, but with a football. Are you sure? Yeah. That's a gun. <laughs> a gun ball. In France. Right. A foot gun. Gun, <laughs> gun ball foot. Anything else? Any other? No, we're other done. Please continue. All right. It. I think that's all the ranked modes. I, I think it's just those three. Uh, I'm not missing anything, right? I don't think so. Tower, Splat, Splat Zones, and Tower, Tower Control, Control. Uh, and Rainmaker are the three that are randomly switched between. Um, and it's interesting because... They didn't just choose, like a lot of games do, put the most direct comparison being Smash Brothers, where it's just like, competitive mode, where it's the same game, but you just have people that are better that go there to prove how better they are. It's not the same game. It's not the same game? It was the same game, but it had certain settings. Like, oh, like lives Yeah, in stuff. For Glory, there are no items, uh, two stock... And, and Omega, Omega But this isn't like a setting. Which is weird, this is in... fundamentally changing the thing you're trying right. to do. As, I'm just saying, it's not quite as direct a comparison. Yeah. Right. You take the mechanics, put it in like a different setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Setting, yeah. not game setting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to confuse everyone for no reason. Good. Yep. But, and the reason that they changed all this kind of makes sense. Uh, they, if in regular turf mode... Uh, when you're just running around shooting things, there's not a lot of sort of defined progression at any period of point. Like, there's sort of a back-and-forth swing when you look at the map and how much things people have painted. But you... There are literal point values in all these modes because they measure, like, in Rainmaker, how far you've moved in the map. They measure how far you've moved your tower and tower control. And they've measured how long you've controlled your little square uh, in the splat zones. Uh, So the goal is that they can have these things that you can point to almost like football scores in a sense that can at a glance give you an idea of how well the map the matches have been going historically and not just at that specific moment um additionally and this is i sort of alluded to this earlier when we were talking about tournaments but part of the reason why like the things nintendo's doing where they just have their turf war tournaments uh, aren't really being paid attention to by really serious competitive people uh, is because i don't think and you guys might be able to jump on me jump on me on this here uh, because you've played this a lot i don't think the regular mode is a really good mode competitively. I don't I, think it's ideal. I really could not give like an informed opinion on that, considering it's the only thing that I've played. Mm. 
Well, not. I don't mean. I don't. Sorry, I don't mean specifically just like compared to the other modes, because of course you can make different any mode in the game right. more competitively suited if you wanted to. I don't think if there was a, even like a tournament, a tournament that was just straight turf war, mm. it would be particularly interesting. I think the problems with the matchmaking, um, because when I play turf war, which is what I play mostly. It seems like the skill level of all the other players fluctuates, like, wildly. It does. So, like, if you could come up with a better matchmaking system, I think Turf War could be a good competitive mode. Yeah. And I didn't, I, I, I didn't mean, like, Turf War as played at home from your Wii U. I meant, like, if you get a team of four oh, okay. people together and went to Nintendo headquarters and a whole bunch of teams of four competed against each other... I don't think it would be a very good thing to do in that setting. Specifically, I want to... Why, yeah, why? Um, a, the only point in time that counts, because the matches are three minutes. Not the last minute. Yeah, and when the match ends is when it's counted, or like, how much turf do you guys have? It makes it so that a lot of the early performance you have in the game doesn't really matter. And that's good, casually, because that means people can have a huge window in which they can essentially come from behind and attempt to reclaim areas. But that means that also means that like you can have like the last twenty second push is probably the most important thing when you're playing turf war because if you can save like one of your crazy bazookas or hor- like fantastic specials and blow the whole team away, then they'll spend that those critical last few seconds respawning. And the enemy team can just sit around and paint, even if they've lost literally every other moment of the whole match. They could have been getting their teeth stamped in. But one second of glory is enough to turn around literally the totality of a turf war match. I don't think that's ideal competitively. I think the worst team will will win sometimes by single silly mistakes that the winning team made, that the losing team could have made six times in the same game. Right. I mean, the only difference between that and, say, like, a competitive fighting game a lot of the time is the fact that it gives you more of a... It's it's not as punishing uh, in terms of, like, you can basically fuck around for two minutes and then jump in in the last minute and kind of reclaim your win. But, like, the same thing, like, even if it was just a one-minute game where it's just cover as much turf as possible in a one minute, like, in a competitive fighting game, if you make one mistake and the opponent capitalizes on it, you can basically die in just one go. You see people play Street Fighter who are insanely good. It's like... Well, first of all, I don't know what's going on. It just seems yeah, like no one magic. Knows. But, like, <laughs> some guy's like, oh, he, like, he's, he fucking he cracked his block. And, like, I don't know what that means. It's like, well, well when he cracks the block, he's allowed to, he puts in all these combos, and then, like, I don't know, some guy's head popped off. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like, it's like listening to Dota streams and stuff. Where right, it's just yeah. nothing but, like, proper nouns flying right. everywhere, <laughs> and you have no idea what any of it actually symbolizes. Yeah. And... But it, it always comes down to that, like, critical mistake. Like, somebody makes a critical mistake, and then that ends the game for them. Now, do you, do you think that the ranked modes have... More of a competitive, like, uh... Oh, yeah, because, for example, if... Because everything's quantified, like I said before. If the winning team, if they were winning the whole time, but not enough to just end it... Which, by the way, is also a nice thing for ranked, uh, just sidebar. Because all of them have specific goals. If they just meet those goals, like if you grab the Rain Manker and run it all the way to the other side of the map, 
you can you can just win in like 30 seconds if you're just that much better than the opposing team. So it prevents a lot of feel bad stuff. But if that doesn't happen, if it's like a back and forth thing, and you get an early lead and your team's doing really well, that still counts all the way to the end. You can like have the early run and like push forward, which is a lot more difficult than getting an early lead in turf war. And that will still count forever, even if that you never can push back that far again and finish the game. Right. Yeah, I saw... That actually makes a lot of sense, because in um, Team Fortress 2, when I used to play uh, competitively, for the most part, everyone played capture point maps, which is, like, it's sort of you take one, and then it opens the next one. And then you can fight back, technically, but, like, it's just kind of a progression like that. And it definitely gives you a sense of, like, who's winning and who's losing and why, like, this is important. And it puts it in... And not only that, but it makes the map building make more sense competitively. And I feel like Splatoon probably does the same thing. Because oh, yeah. you can design a map around certain heavily contested areas. And they did that specifically. Uh, a lot of the maps, in some cases, very in very extreme senses, uh, they just add in essentially little gray boxes that you can paint to change the dynamics of the map. So in one, in like the regular turf uh, war mode, you'll have a map that uh, has like a, a place you can't swim up that'll be unreachable. Uh-huh. I'll just put a gray box there and you can now just jump over that ledge. Uh, okay. And they make changes like that for every mode in Ranked to make it more interesting and sort of compelling. Although that, that does make it so that learning specific maps is now all of a sudden more important mode to mode. That always is. If, you, if, yeah. if you're going for anything competitive, learning a map is just part of the ordeal. Like, yeah. it, that's why MOBAs do so well. Uh, because every map is the same map. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's just like you can literally, like, if you know, like, track left, track middle, track right, and the forest, you're good. I think it's called the forest. I mean, yelled at it, probably. <laughs> they just say things. Yeah. But they, um, as probably the most extreme example, both this and uh, of Nintendo being kind of weirdly aware of things in terms of active content updates. Right. They've, since the launch of the game, rebuilt, just from scratch, two maps entirely. Uh, they redid uh, one map called Urchin Underpass in all modes that's just totally different than when it launched now. Uh, and in the like all the competitive versions uh, of uh, Moray Towers, which is like a map where you're on a bunch of skyscrapers and it was really high, uh, sniper rifles ended up being way, way too good there. Uh, so in all the competitive versions of the map, they just changed the whole center of the map completely and it's just a different map. Um, so they were willing to go to pretty ex- they've been willing to go to pretty extreme lengths to try and keep competitive balance in check uh, even things that cost them a whole lot of sort of time and man hours after the games come out right because we haven't paid for anything that's another thing that's, I keep talking about all these updates the game none of these updates are paid they're all just free they've just been unlocking them on your system well over time. things like that which is I guess the point that you stressed it on which is a little bit odd uh Things like that are not things that you generally expect to pay for. Like a content, up, like a content update, like they've released new weapons and new maps, and those are things that you would expect to have to pay for. Yeah. But in this is a sign of Nintendo actually getting with the times. When you host a multiplayer shooter game, you can't let some people have weapons and other people not have access to them. Mm-hmm. So charging for them puts an unreasonable barrier to like on some of those to certain people. Unless you're making the game, you know, for the iPhone. 
Oh yeah, it's totally fine. Everything, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're probably not making it super competitive either. <laughs> Splatoon coming to iPhones in yeah. 2016. That's and yeah. a touchscreen and a gyroscope. That's true. Check check. Yep. Oh, maybe you can use your phone. Yeah. To oh, virtualize no. Splatoon ten years down the road. Yeah, right, you stream yeah. it to your Apple TV and then right. With your, and you're thinking too small. To your Oculus TV. (laughs) With your Rift phone. (laughs) The Rift phone. That's really terrifying sounding, actually. Yeah. Well, you control it with, like, a scouter from Dragon Ball Z. Yep. (laughs) The Matrix is there for tech support. Yeah. Yeah. You kind just rows of guns fly by. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think I'll take the paintbrush. And then that's when they fucking pull the jack out. You're like, no! (laughs) Just the paintbrush. A victory for paintbrush. <laughs> well, unless there are other things you'd want to add, I feel like we've pretty appropriately covered the game. Uh, yeah, yeah. Seems yep. wonderful and fair and balanced, Fox News. Thank you sincerely for listening to No Clip this week. Um, two weeks from now, we should be releasing our second episode, which is going to be on Team Ico's Shadow of the Colossus. Uh, you can contact us officially now on um, noclippodcast at gmail.com or at noclippodcast on Twitter. Uh, eventually, maybe by the time this goes up, but probably not, uh, you should also be able to reach noclippodcast.com, uh, which I'll have links to all of the other contact information on there. Uh you guys have any last words? Right, for all two fans that are right. listening. <laughs> yeah, all that information for you. Yeah, people will eventually roll back around yeah. and be like, after episode 200, they'll yeah, be like, I yeah. should really go back and listen to their old stuff. Yeah. And then they'll unsubscribe. <laughs> old stuff is way better. <laughs> <laughs> stop listening. So, yeah. They, yeah. And all of those locations where you can contact us, there'll be a really awesome logo that Andy designed that... I think. Alright, I didn't have to make a shameless plug. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be probably the one image glued on all of those things. So, I hope you enjoyed as much as we did. I know I did. (laughs) (laughs) Think outside the button. (laughs) And we're back. 